0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
1: All right, right, 14-10 Baltimore leading Dallas two and a half minutes left in the second quarter. The Cowboys lined up for a field goal and uh, now there's a penalty. So they're not going to kick and they're going to figure out what's going on. 14-10, Ravens leading the Cowboys in tonight's NFL game. As this is the end of a week in the NFL I have to double check what week it is it's week 13 week 14 is going to start on Thursday already with the Patriots taking on the Rams good Sunday night are coming up on Sunday the Steelers and the Bills and then uh, on Monday it's Jack Michaels Cleveland Browns who are going to be hosting the Baltimore Ravens Cleveland having a really good season coming in at nine and three good chat with Chris Johnston earlier on the show from the NHL on Sportsnet so January 13th or maybe a bit later, he's speculating for the start of the NHL season, training camps January 3rd or maybe a little bit later, and likely teams traveling around within their divisions, though we got to see what happens with COVID and the pandemic and regulations in provinces and states as we uh, as we move through this. But uh, And it was interesting what Chris said as well. He thinks if there was an actual vote, with NHL owners, do you want to play a season? He thinks as many as 10 owners would vote to not play. So around a third wouldn't quite be enough to, to call off a season, but uh, pretty interesting stuff there. 780-496-0063. If you want to call or text, you can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. You can email Inside Sports. At 630ched.com. I actually got an email here from, I uh, got it a couple of days ago from David in White Sands, which is just north of Stettler. He says, uh, Hey, Reed, I was driving while you and Bob Stoffer were talking about English soccer team names. This caught my interest since I became an avid Liverpool fan in the early 60s while attending college there. The Reds is an unofficial name for the Liverpool Football Club. It is quite widely used, but plays second fiddle to Liverpool as the name. Similar nicknames are the Magpies for Newcastle, the Baggies for West Brom, and the Foxes for Leicester. So there you go. David from Sense. I was on, uh, I believe, last Thursday night, Bob and I were talking about that. Because my thing is, as we bring in Pat Steinberg from sports at 960 in Calgary, I've always thought that when it comes to soccer, there are four team names. There's United. There's FC, there's City, and there's Wednesday. But apparently there are more than just those four.
0: Well, and and sometimes you just need to use a word, like you could use um you could use something like signpost and that could be uh that could be a football team's name it's uh it, 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 they, they don't like follow the conventional north american uh sports teaming uh sports team naming kind of norms right which is why i always felt like why why did major league soccer have to go to the like they, like do, do we really need it to be dallas fc can't you just name it something else like the dallas something so or the the, the Calgary Boomers and, and the old North American soccer league. That's, that's how they should do it in Major League soccer. Anywho, I digress. How are
1: you, Wade? Oh, I'm I doing well. Well, the Columbus Crew have a name. The Seattle Sounders have a name. The Portland Chicago Timbers have a Friday. name. Uh, but I, I don't know all the teams in MLS off the top of my head. I think they're, they're up to about 20 or 21 teams now. But yeah, there's like, that's, and this is when I started joking about this because Minnesota is both United and FC, they're Minnesota United FC. Do they have to be both? Pick
0: one. Yeah, they want they want us to double it up. I mean, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna copy European naming, you might as well double up.
1: Just, just fair enough. Minnesota United FC Wednesday City. There it is. Even though Minnesota is a state, not a city.
0: <laughs> what? What the, yeah. okay, no, hold on. I forget. What is the CPL team in Edmonton? We got Cavalry
1: FC down here. What is it? We're in FC. Edmonton? We're FC Edmonton.
0: Okay, it's just FC Edmonton. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to get it wrong. And there's Forge FC, there's Cavalry FC, then they've got ones like uh, the the Halifax
1: Wanderers. I like that. I like that.
2: It's the HFX
1: Wanderers. Exactly. Yeah, well, I'm kind of, I guess, poking fun at the team in my own city. But what they did in in the CPL is you can't tell what cities they're in, right? Because what's the, is it? because cavalry fc okay calgary but that doesn't it's not readily apparent no nope. and then wasn't there just a team called the york nine which is based yep. on the nine counties in the gta they don't only really play yep. with nine men
0: and then there's forge fc and there's the and they're, whatever and they're, they're hamilton there.
1: hamilton yeah and, and valor valor fc is in winnipeg f or fc valor that's the winnipeg one
0: Okay, and then there's one on the island, and I don't remember what that is. It's just the, I, don't, I forget what that one's called as well. I should know this stuff better, but I'm still learning my
1: CPL. Uh, Isn't it the Islanders? I think it's the Islanders. But I think they have a name. I'm Googling it now. This is, if Pat and I learn soccer names, that's what this segment is called. Hey, look. Well, we're usually we're, we're during the season, for- I know them.
0: We've been waiting for hockey since the Stanley Cup was awarded in early October. We have had, like, no news until the last few days. So this is essentially what Sports Talk Radio has been for the last two months, especially since day, like, five of free agency. There, there's been nothing to talk about. So this is this is part of our course.
1: Pacific FC is the one in BC, and I always joke about them. They actually play on a floating field in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh Kevin says, and a lot of North American sportscasters, when they give the scores for soccer, uh they use the word zero or nothing, but when they give uh soccer scores, all of a sudden it's nil. I try yeah. to do that because nil is the convention in soccer scoring. So I do try to honor that, probably not consistently uh kevin but i i i think kevin doesn't like that or maybe he does or maybe he's just pointing it out but i i when i do give a soccer score i do try to say nil because that's usually the convention used by english when i'm talking about people in england who broadcast games
0: yeah, and and, tried, and i try, and I did that for the longest time. But I don't know how a bunch of people say, Stop doing that. You don't need to do that. You can say two nothing or two zero. So I, I do sometimes and I don't. No, I our we try to limit the amount of soccer talk. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, we, we try to really limit how much soccer we talk about
1: <laughs> Well, fair enough. It's uh it's a popular <laughs> sport in most kidding. of the world except Canada.
0: Ca- Cavalry Cavalry FC did very well this year last year and and did pretty well in the, the return to play as well
1: all right pat steinberg is uh joining us he does cover calgary flames hockey and hosts a, an excellent talk show on sports at 960 so what are you th- what are you thinking here buddy chris Johnston was on with me he says january 13th okay but maybe it's january 20th but we're looking at something in January, are we comfortable or are you looking at today's regulations in Alberta and what's going on in, in certain states or, or, or and are you thinking – wait a minute. Like, I'm just wondering where your head is at with all this. Well, it's, it's
0: funny because I, I have, and and I've, I've been, you know, uh, understanding of the skepticism that's been out there going all the way back in like March and April, when we didn't know what the return to play was going to look like. I've always understood why there have been skeptics, why there have been those. I just don't see it happening. There's no way the NHL can return so on and so forth. I've always understood that, but I've always personally tried to, to keep a pretty positive, positive kind of outlook on the whole thing and, and kind of look these are multi- Billion-dollar organizations um, and and pro sports leagues are going to find a way, and I still believe that now. But I, I won't lie. When when you hear the new restrictions in the province today, um, you see what's happening. You know, BC's restrictions just got extended till the uh, I think into the second week of January. We see what's happening in Manitoba and Ontario and Quebec, and and obviously what's happening in so many states south of the border right now. It doesn't really matter if the vaccine is two months or four months or six months away, or whatever. The 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 fact of the matter is, we still have to live with it until we're out of this thing. And so, yeah, I I certainly have have given that some thought. But I still believe that we're going to see January 13th as as putt drop for the start of the new season. Uh, I, I think that that's doable i think january 3rd is a doable start for training camps and and what's going to be really curious the one thing that i'm not sure of reader is is what this whole looks like what, what this whole situation looks like to start is it going to be the major league baseball nfl and soon to be nba model are we going to see teams traveling on on a regular basis are we going to see teams playing in their own buildings Or are we going to talk about what has been proposed? And and what I've heard from some of the people that I've talked to recently and and kind of what a lot of uh, how I understand it, uh, a lot of people behind the scenes are at the very least preparing for in part is this idea of at least the start, kind of the the idea of temporary bubbles. You go into one spot and you play a bunch and then you leave and and you're there for two weeks. And I wonder if because so many of the provinces, and, and then let's just, Pretend that the the United States doesn't exist right now. We know it's going to be an all Canadian division this year. So, well, BC's in trouble. Two teams in Alberta in trouble. Two teams in Ontario in trouble. Team in Manitoba in trouble. And a team in. Three teams in Ontario in trouble and the team in Quebec in trouble so every every place that there's an NHL team cold cases are skyrocketing right now and we're probably not going to have a complete handle on it it's probably not going to be completely solved by January 13th so I wonder if they try doing that if they try to do two regional bubbles and you have four teams here three teams there play a bunch of games disperse go back to your home cities for a little bit then do it again and I wonder if that's at the very least for the first month or two what we're going to be talking about in terms of how this works and so that's the one thing I'm unsure about and the one thing I'm really curious about but regardless whether it's going to be played in a format like that or whether it's going to be um, just getting going as per normal and you know Calgary plays Edmonton at, uh, at Rogers Place and, and the Oranges play the Flames at the Saddle Dome uh, the well, I still think that we're talking about a January 13th start. I still think that's realistic. And 56 games from January 13th into sometime in late April, early May for the start of the playoffs seems pretty doable, seems doable to get things done in time for the Olympics and to be back to a normal schedule where we have normal travel and pretty much normal uh, sporting life come October of 2021.
1: Gary Bettman has said on numerous occasions how they start the season doesn't have to be how they finish it. And you brought up the possibility of still having some sort of hybrid bubbles, though I think preferably they'd like to have the teams traveling around. But I I wonder, too, if they don't release whenever they put out a a schedule, and they're going to have to do it relatively soon, I wonder if they don't put out the whole year like the NBA did or if the NHL is sitting there thinking, okay, we got to book hotels as far in advance as possible. So, they, so that, that's another thing to, to, to keep in mind. The Canadian division, here's the question of the day before we even have a date for training camp. Who do you have? Because my top four, when I did this a while ago, because somebody called in and asked me, so I had to do it, I went, and this is regular season only, I went Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Winnipeg, Ottawa. And I read that off now, and I kick myself already for a couple of selections. But I don't know if you saw what LeBron wrote yesterday. He polled some Eastern Conference scouts, coaches, and executives. Toronto was kind of the consensus pick for number one, but not everybody had them there. Edmonton was everywhere between second and sixth. The only thing that people seem to agree on is that Ottawa is probably last. It's funny
0: because we had this conversation uh a little bit, uh, a little bit, couple weeks ago, uh, I'm writing something. I just, I just wrote something for tomorrow, kind of going through how specifically the Flames stack up to the rest of the teams in the Canadian division at each position. And it's really tough. Like, okay, here's the one thing I know, and, and the Senators have improved. They, Matt Murray's going to help them in net. They've made some other changes at forward. I, I like the Dadenau signing. Like, they, they're a better team this coming season than they were last year. But the Sens, for me, are the clear seven. But one through six, the rest of the teams, regardless of who I have won, and I'll give you that answer in a second, because I've kind of gone back and forth and back and forth on it, um, but I see next to nothing between the six teams outside of Ottawa. I think the gap is that little. And and different teams have different massive strengths, but those massive strengths really even things out uh, across the whole board. So I've got Toronto number one by a slight margin. I'm I'm with you. I've got Toronto one, Calgary two, Edmonton three, and then kinda tie four, Winnipeg, Vancouver. I think Montreal's much better and, and I don't count them out as well. And and so I go Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton Vancouver, Winnipeg, Mix and Match, Montreal, Ottawa, but I really think any one of those six teams could be a playoff team and could be one of the four playoff teams that, that we're talking about in this proposed divisional format. The the reason why um, I like Toronto the best, I think they've got good goaltending. Freddie Anderson, I think, is in line for a bounce back here in a contract here. I like the tandem with Jack Campbell. Um, on the blue line, they got better with the addition of Brody. Brody, Riley, Muzzin, uh, they've got a nice top three, and obviously we know about their depth at forward. I, I think Calgary is maybe the deepest team forward-wise. Lines one through the four. I think the blue line is good, but got worse, and their their goaltending got significantly better. I put Calgary along with Montreal, Winnipeg, and Toronto as-, as kind of the top tier of goaltending. I think Edmonton's got the highest end forwards, and what we saw last year in the regular season. And as you would know, Reid, like the Oilers would have been in the round robin had they not lost the final game prior to the shutdown, the Oilers were going to be a top four team in the Western Conference in the regular season, even with Mike Smith and Nico Koskinen into the goaltending tandem. And yes, Oscar Klefbom is a big-time question mark. We don't know if he's going to play at all, but I still think with Drysaddle, with McDavid, and, and I still don't mind the blue line with what they have there, even minus Klefbom. the Oilers are good enough with the elite talent they have at forward, that I think that they are a playoff team as well. Winnipeg is, is has got the ring as a trophy winner. Vancouver pushed Vegas to seven in the second round. And and Montreal got so much better. And I think Carey Price showed us in the return to play that he is still an elite all-world goaltender. So I, I it is so hard to pick a one through six. I know Ottawa's the seven. I, I gave you my one through six, but it really is. Like, I, I told you what my one through six is. You could easily... Show me a complete opposite of that, and I would have a tough time saying you're crazy because I think six of the seven teams have so little between them. And that's why I think for these 56 games of all Canada play, I think the parity and and the tight nature of the division is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. I really, it's only going to be for one year. I'm glad it's only going to be for one year, but I really can't wait to see what the hockey
1: brings us. Well, and getting off to a good start is even more meaningful. The Oilers were five and zero, and as good as they were in the second half of the season, they still had banked those points right off the start. It turned out to be seventy one games, not eighty two. So, I mean, you you uh, you you start off, you know, seven two and one in your first ten, and you're almost a quarter of the way done the the season already yeah hey thanks for checking in buddy always love talking to you we'll be doing this i hope more often once we get actual games going man i really appreciate it
0: we'll talk soon go wednesday fc All right.
1: <laughs> it's pat Steinberg, big supporter of wednesday fc it's inside sports at six thirty, 30 chat We had Tom Higgins on the show last night talking about how the New York Jets should have defended that final play on Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, the first half just ended between Baltimore and Dallas, and Dallas threw a Hail Mary from their own side of the field to the end zone on the final play of the half. Baltimore dropped nine guys into coverage. One player rushed the passer, another guy kind of hung back like a linebacker. I guess maybe just in case Dalton tried to run or something like that. They had nine guys back in coverage, probably what the Jets should have done on Sunday afternoon. We mentioned Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Bayern Munich left back. Alfonso Davies, co-winners of the Lou Marsh. Duvernay-Tardif helped the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and then the McGill Medical School grad opted out of the season to help fight COVID-19. He says he would have regretted not taking the opportunity to help. <laughs> It's halftime, the 6-5 Ravens leading the 3-8 Cowboys 17-10. Lamar Jackson in that half, 8-10 for passing for 74 yards, a touchdown and an interception, 6 carries for 55 yards, including a long touchdown run in that game. Inside Sports on 630. Chad, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So the speculation about the National Hockey League, a January 13th start training camp's probably January 3rd, Chris Johnston from Sportsnet was on earlier talking about that. You still see, I mean, look, we don't know for sure about these dates, but uh, appears to be getting a little more definite here that they're going to set that as, uh, as their next target. And you heard Chris describing that some of the financial talks are, are off the table. They're going to stick with what they agreed with in the summer to get back for the bubble playoffs in Toronto and here in Edmonton. And then the players will basically be in debt to the owners because they're going to get their, their salaries, but they'll get more than 50% of the revenue. So at some point, the owners are going to have to get that back, which will not be great for uh, the next generation of players coming up. But a story to follow. Hey, uh, McEwen University having a, a pretty special event coming up on Thursday. You can find more at McEwen.ca slash summit and a couple of gentlemen who are going to talk about what's going on. First of all, welcome back to the show, broadcaster and author. We had him on about his book a few weeks ago from Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, Harna Ryan Singh. Harna Ryan, you're on with Reid. How are you doing, sir? Doing well and glad to be back on with you. Very nice to talk to you. And the director of McEwen University's Office of Human Rights, Diversity and Equity, Irfan Chowdhury, is on the line. Irfan, thanks for checking in. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Reid. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I really appreciate you, uh, you, gentlemen, coming on the show. And this is sort of uh, maybe a continuation and, and a deeper look into something that Harn and Ryan have uh, have discussed before. Harn and Ryan, you've talked about um, you know looking different, sounding different, but finding a, a way that you can fit in through hockey. Though I, I suppose that wasn't always the case. I mean, there were difficult um, difficult moments for you along the way.
2: Yeah, you know what, Reid, it's it's a conversation that I think is so important because we need to acknowledge uh, and I think we need to learn from each other's experiences. And to be honest with you, uh, the, some of the racism that I've experienced in my life, um, some of it's been on the street or in a store, but a lot of it's been within the realm of the hockey world and at, a, at an arena, you know, going to an NHL game and all sorts of different, not only comments, but having beer thrown at me, and this is, you know, these these types of experiences. We need to change that. We need to uh, let other people know. And I think for a long time, uh, you know, someone like myself probably kept it inside and didn't talk about it, didn't have the means to talk about it. But the world is changing, and it, and I think it's it's changing for the positive, where we finally have the ear. Of, I know for sure the hockey world, or the majority of it, that people are are interested and, in, you know, ready and willing to learn about what some of the experiences have been in the game of hockey for not only players, fans, broadcasters. And so the event at McCune University on Thursday is a, is a really big part in, in, a part in achieving that goal of communicating about this.
1: Irfan, before we maybe get into what where we're trying to work towards here, in your experience why do people do that like what harner ryan just just described is it just ignorance is it fear i mean maybe some cases they think they're being amusing but they don't understand that that's Hmm. that it's actually hurtful i mean where does that that come from that someone would see harner ryan sing a respected national broadcaster and think it's appropriate to throw beer at him because of his appearance
3: yeah, I mean, such an unfortunate example that Harna shared. And unfortunately, it's not one that I think is, is, is unique in that context because, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's fear, whether it's ignorance, whether it's people, again, think they're being, you know, funny or, or trying to be amusing or whatever it might be, I think why it's been able to kind of perpetuate in, let's say, a fan or stance perspective is no one, no one really knows what to do or how to stand up. Uh, and I think, you know, when you have, you know, arena staff that also might not be trained in the same uh, thing on how to, you know, intervene in a positive way, then when it doesn't get acknowledged in the example that Ryan just mentioned, then it almost gives like tacit approval. And so I think one of the reasons that we're trying to address this from an educational and information perspective is really trying to get at some of these, you know, lived experiences that people have faced, whether it's on or off the ice. And then provide, you know, information, education, and even just confidence of knowing that it is okay to stand up and and, and speak out when you do see these things that are very, you know, motivated by hate or bias uh, connected to racial discrimination uh, and all forms of discrimination.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, and Harder, Ryan, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And I know you've, you've touched on some of those other incidents before, and and, uh, and you've also talked about great things that have happened to you because of the hockey world as too, but but we're acknowledging that, that not everything, unfortunately, has been like that. Have you, like Harder, Ryan, have you ever had an experience of, okay, this person said something to me, and have you ever had a chance to, like, sit down with somebody and say, whoa, whoa, whoa like, wait a minute, or is it hard to do that in a heat of the moment type situation?
2: Yeah, it really depends on uh, uh, exactly, as you mentioned, wh- what the exact situation is. I mean, if it's someone who's uh, sitting a couple of rows behind you and, you know, you're ha- you're spending your evening three hours at a hockey game in the stands, uh, you're in close enough vicinity to be able to, you know, maybe solic- solicit a conversation to try to educate them or even l- at least let them know how you feel and why you're offended. But if it's, if it's in the heat of the moment where it's on the concourse and someone yells something at you as you're going by. uh, And and there's so many different situations where if you're outnumbered, uh, you might have to think about it differently. Like if I'm with my wife, as opposed to with a couple of other guys who are, you know, in my case, specifically South Asian, I would probably, ha- you know, handle the situation differently too. There's so many different aspects of it, but it's a it's a very difficult uh, situation to to handle because, you know, for example, for myself, I'm such a patriotic Canadian. I, I want listeners and hockey fans to know that by us talking about this, we are wanting what's best for the game people like myself people like Irfan everybody who's you know talking about this topic within the world of hockey we're doing this because we love the game we want to grow the game we want it to be a more welcoming place for other people and so you know that's one of the reasons that we're so passionate about it, uh, but, you know, it is it is it is something that is very difficult to tackle in those types of situations because a lot of times, you know, some, some of those people have had too much to drink. A lot of times, some of those people are, you know, I don't know for a lack of better term, maybe brainwashed from a lifetime of maybe their parents have some sort of racist views, and it, it's very difficult to kind of convince someone, but I did have a revolutionary moment in my own life where I learned my family's history that, my great-grandfather came over 100 years ago, and I was able to sometimes use that when some, when I w- encountered one of those situations, like go back to where you came from to be able to say, hey, my family's history might even be lengthier in Canada than yours. So it de- really depends on the situation.
1: Irfan, is this something where we really need to hit minor hockey players and, and parents of minor hockey players if we're going to make substantial change where maybe 20-25 years from now we're having these conversations not at all or, or far less frequently than we seem to be the these days and if so how do you how do you sort of get that this this better attitude and this more accepting attitude into those minor hockey dressing rooms
3: Yeah, I'm really glad you actually asked that question. Uh, So one of the things, you know, when people register, when they go to mckeown.ca slash hockey summit and they click on register, as people are kind of filling out the the registration form, you know, we ask, you know, people for any ideas or, you know, uh, resources or suggestions on what kind of, you know, support would be helpful for them in terms of addressing, you know, racial discrimination in a hockey setting. And it's been really interesting to see the amount of uh, folks who have identified as either a volunteer, a coach, you know, uh, involved, in some capacity with, you know, minor hockey in not only just Alberta, but this is a nationwide, uh, you know, initiative. So we've had, you know, good turnouts from other minor hockey associations throughout the country. And so I think the, the folks are there kind of going back to what Harna Ryan had mentioned. We have the ears of individuals who really wanted to learn and, you know, be able to address the situation for the betterment of the game. And so I think the timing is right for something like this because we've kind of been working on this for about a year and a bit. You know, and with COVID, of course, uh, weren't sure if we we're going to get the funding from the federal government's uh, anti-racism action program. Uh, but when we were able to get uh, word of the funding, of course, this happened after you know the, the the death of George Floyd and the protests that happened you know around the world, and the commitments and firm statements coming from various sporting organizations, including the NHL. It just right now the the impetus was really was really powerful to have this kind of dialogue and discussion, where I think people are now more comfortable and confident to even ask these types of questions or seek out these type of resources for help. And so going back to kind of the minor and uh, junior hockey kind of levels you just referenced, the folks that have signed up that have kind of identified being a part of that network are open and listening and waiting to learn on how they can, you know, improve their own awareness on the topic to be able to address it if they do see it or come across it. Because I think it's got so much that the, I think the will is currently there. I think there's just a lack of understanding of what to do if it does come up or, or where to go if it does come up. Because a lot of the organizations that aren't, you know, the professional leagues don't have the same mechanisms in place to be able to address, you know, let's say on ice or off ice interactions. And, you know, we have have documented experiences of this as well. Uh, that kind of highlight the lack of, of, of space that people have to know what to do. So I think it's just providing that information on, you know, if you see it happen on or off the ice, here's some suggestions and considerations of what you can do. And it's just taking best practices from other sectors and, and, and industries that have been addressing similar, you know, aspects around discrimination and racial discrimi- discrimination specifically. So it's being able to inform these with best practices as well.
1: For the growth of the game, addressing racism in hockey is the name of the virtual summit hosted by McEwen University. We're talking to Harner Ryan Singh and Irfan Chowdhury about it, uh, mcewenca slash hockey summit, to check it out, to register. Guys, I'm just going to share this with you, and you guys can react however you want, but obviously it's been a crazy year, and there's been discussions about race and racism and acceptance and all those kind of things. And Darnell Nurse, who plays for the Oilers, posted on his social media the day of the first playoff game at at Chicago about about being called the n-word throughout his career and then when he was younger he, he he wrote how lonely it made him feel and he said he could remember sitting in a dressing room thinking I wonder who else feels that way or thinks that about me even though it only might have been one kid or coach on an opposing team it made him feel really alone and that and that struck with me and I know you guys are trying to to change that so you know the next generation of kids don't feel alone and don't have to hear those words
2: yeah I think that you know this is something that has been happening for a long long time and it's about time that we are finally addressing it I mean if you think about Willie O'Ree uh, if you think about the history of black players in Canada, the Coloured Hockey League and how nobody knows about it, but the, they had to make their own league because they weren't able to play with white people in, in the Maritimes. And then you, you fast forward, to you know, that's that's 100 years ago, and we're still dealing with these isu- issues. It it's, it goes back to one of the questions you asked earlier, Reid, about why does this happen and where is it coming from. It is an issue. It is a broad societal issue, but we as a sport have have to figure out how are we going to deal with it so that the next time a new hockey fan who is a diverse person from a racialized community, when they walk into a hockey arena, that they feel welcome. And, you know, frankly, I I think we as a sport, we can't worry about alienating Uh, racist fans like I I don't know if we want them to be a part of our game anymore and we're finally at the point to address it so I'm very thankful and grateful but it's been happening for a long long time and I'll Irfan I'll let you go and read if we have time yeah, no, just
3: quick comment on that as well. I wasn't aware of those comments from uh, Darnell Nurse, but it just kind of reminds me, you know, as as we've been kind of sharing information about this uh, virtual summit, the amount of people that have reached out to me who have either, again, played hockey or coached hockey uh, and shared, you know, similar experiences that either they experienced themselves uh, or witnessed. You know, one that sticks to me is, is, a, is, a, is a coach who had something negative uh, said to an Indigenous player uh, from a teammate and the coach didn't know what to do or what to say. And then a few games later, the the Indigenous player ended up quitting the team. Right. So I think there is some real world impact uh, that needs to be addressed in in a in a, in a meaningful but also honest way and sometimes to get there we have to be exposed to the, the unfortunate truths that you know players and players of color especially experience in a, in a professional and semi-professional and you know growth leagues as well so i think yeah just sharing those experiences sometimes allows people to build that empathy and understanding especially if they haven't you know ever experienced racial discrimination themselves
1: okay so it's mcqueen.ca slash hockey summit people still have they can still sign up today right if you want to squeeze into this
3: yeah there's still time to sign up. We have a great line of speakers, Han Ryan hosting it. the NHL speaking at it. The Oilers have someone speaking at it. in addition a lot of uh, grassroots and community organization players uh fans. I'm uh, really excited for the event that we have. so yeah, people can definitely still sign up
1: okay well gentlemen thanks for coming on the show uh this is really important what you're doing and thanks for being so open and, and talking about it uh Urfan, all the best great to have you on the show for the first time Harna ryan of course uh, all the best and uh really important we talk about this tonight and i also look forward to uh, talking to you about actual hockey games hopefully uh soon into the new year sound fair
2: Sounds great, and I applaud you for having this as a topic as a part of your Inside Sports show, Reid. Great, great, great of you to do that.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy to do it, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you again. All the best. Bye bye. Harder Ryan Singh, Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. Irfan Chowdhury, Director of McEwan University's Office of Human Rights, Diversity, and uh, Equity. So that is Thursday, the virtual council. Uh, pardon me, the virtual summit, I should say, for the growth of the game, addressing racism in hockey and Harner Ryan sharing some uh, very personal experiences um, that that, uh, that he had to go through. So, you know, hopefully those are the types of things that uh, eventually we're never going to see. That would be really nice. OK, we got to call a quick timeout here. Seven. 7- All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 7.53 into the final few minutes of our program. Kicked it off tonight with Chris Johnston from Sportsnet NHL. They're getting there by the sounds of it. Obviously, there are some things that could derail the season but hopefully those things don't happen and maybe january 13th or uh, a little bit later they're actually going to drop the puck and we expect a canadian division we expect probably teams going to other cities and playing two or three games maybe they could still have some sort of a bubble situation as chris johnson said maybe there will be some teams that might not be allowed to play home games for all or part of the season um he said the nhl maybe could have a couple of teams that play entirely on the road if it came to that might be a little more difficult if that number gets higher around seven or eight but all stories still to be told i feel like i've been saying that a lot lately stories still to be told i'm an old timer looking ahead not looking back well, I remember two weeks from now, we're going to get a big story. 17-10, Ravens leading the Cowboys, eight fifty five left in the third quarter. Had you updated on that Steelers loss yesterday to Washington, their first of the season. Then I was watching most of the uh, second game. Very impressive Buffalo Bills taking down the uh, injury-depleted San Francisco, 49ers. I really like that, that George Kittle, that tight end for the 49ers. Partially because he's a good player. Partially because I have wound up with him on my, both of my fantasy football teams. Which uh, hasn't helped that he's been hurt most of this season. So, it's a little painful to talk about that. But that's okay. Lots of uh, lots of new regulations announced today by uh, Premier Jason Kenny. We had that live for you on 630 Ched. We'll have an update coming up in our 8 o'clock news. And you want to get more... Go to the good old internet, 630chad.com, globalnews.ca. Uh, somebody was texting in about the World Juniors. The World Juniors are still a go. Um, they did say that they could, if, if it became difficult for some teams to play, that they could go ahead with as few as eight teams instead of ten so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Rennie Fassell, the, uh, the chief of the IIHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation, has the coronavirus. I, I believe he was not uh, planning on coming to Edmonton for the tournament anyway, but there you go. And uh, I can also tell you Matthew Robertson, one of five players who uh, were ruled unfit to play on Tuesday by team Canada and will uh, not take part in the world junior championship. So that's the latest there. Of course, Matthew Robertson, a uh, from Sherwood park and a player for the Edmonton oil Kings had a pretty good season last year. Defenseman had 47 points in 60 games, just double checking his stats. So uh, he's not going to be on the team as uh, Canada was cleared to get back to training today in red deer after not being ice off, on the ice for a couple of weeks because of a couple of positive tests. So that's the latest there. At the moment, the uh, World Junior Championship is a go. Uh, I should have mentioned, if you missed it earlier, Des Bryant, the receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, pulled off the field during warm-up because of a positive COVID test. And that was it he's uh he's out of the game and he has tweeted that he's going to take the rest of the year off so we'll see if he he sticks with that so he was uh pulled from the warm-up just before the game against the cowboys he tweeted out uh Well, he used some profanity, but he says, tell me why they pull me from warming up so I can go get tested. My blank came back positive. I tested positive for COVID WTF. And then he said, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call it a quit for the rest of the season. I can't deal with this. He's only appeared in three games for the Ravens this season, four receptions for 28 yards. So we'll see what else happens with that story. Still 17-10 Baltimore, eight and a half left in the third quarter. All right, that's the music. Means I got to get out of the way so Adler can take over the airwaves. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio operator. Back tomorrow at 6 o'clock. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.